This is GM Word of the Week, and I'm Fiddleback. Ale. Come in, come in, says the landlord. Have a seat and let me pull you a tankard. I've got the finest mead for three kingdoms. Or, if you fancy it, I have a few bottles of elven spring wine. No? Well, I have a cask of dwarven ale from Hazrad Dur. Just come down with the miners wintering there. What? Water. I thought you wanted something to drink, not something to bathe in. Pfft. You clerics with your oaths of abstinence. Have you ever noticed that adventurers drink? They drink a lot. If an adventurer isn't tromping through some mildewy, damp cave and slaughtering kobolds, they're in a tavern. And if they're in a tavern, they're drinking. And if they're drinking, they're drinking mead, or ale, or dwarvish beer, or elvish wine, or halfling scumble, or orcish grog. The point is, they are drinking alcohol. And yet, the next morning, they're in another dank cave, killing lizard people for beer money without so much as a headache. In fact, there's this myth that people in medieval Europe only drank booze. That's right, I said myth. It's a myth. The myth goes that the water in medieval towns and cities and villages was so polluted that you couldn't drink it. So people only drink ale or wine. People point to the lack of any reference to drinking water in medieval writings. But smarter scholars point out that water is bland, tasteless, a staple. You don't write about it because it's a default assumption, and not very interesting. Such scholars also point to things like texts written by medieval physicians, and they talk about water a lot. The most famous is the regimen Sanitatis Salerni, whose name basically means a healthy lifestyle from Salerno. Yes, Salerno, in Italy. This feel-good book says that the best water for drinking comes from springs or rainwater, but also notes that it's also okay to drink wine with dinner, so maybe stop drinking so much water already. It further warns pregnant women that wine is better for a developing baby than all that cold water you keep drinking. So the truth is that water was pretty much the drink of choice for medieval European peasants. Water or milk? Because most peasant farmers had mobile milk dispensers that also turned into delicious meat if you knew the right trick. But that doesn't mean they didn't drink alcohol. Everyone drinks alcohol. In point of fact, alcohol is one of the things that pretty much every culture on earth has in common. And it's been around for long times. The simplest boozes are fermented boozes. Wine, beer, mead, and cider. And, at their heart, these four broad drinks all come about the same basic way. You start with a source of delicious sugars. It doesn't matter the type. You can use fructose, glucose, maltose, and lactose. Note that os on the end, that's biochemistry speak for sugar. And the bit at the beginning tells you what kind of sugar it is. Fructose is fruit sugar. 
maltose comes from sprouting grains, lactose is dairy sugar, and glucose comes from pretty much every living thing on the planet. It's in you right now. Anyway, lots of living things love sugar. In fact, every living thing needs sugar to keep on living. And one living thing in particular is yeast. Yeast is a fungus, and it eats sugar and it poops out this clear, volatile liquid that happens to have a really intoxicating effect on human brains. That stuff is alcohol. So, if you have a barrel of sprouted grains, and you mix them with water and leave them in the dark, yeast will eat some of the maltose, poop out alcohol, and you get beer. If your barrel is full of mashed grapes or plums or cherries or even rice, you end up with a wine. If you've got honey in there, you'll end up with a mead. And finally, if you've got tree fruits like apples or pears or peaches, you get cider. Obviously, you can add all sorts of other ingredients, and you can use all sorts of clever tricks to make the fermentation process work better. But it's all basically the same. And it's pretty easy. It's so easy, in fact, that fermented beverages have been around since the 8th millennia BCE. That's right. The first intentional beer was made 8,000 years before 2,000 years ago, give or take. The first beers were probably made in Mesopotamia and Sumeria, with Egypt eventually jumping on the tailgate. In point of fact, a Sumerian hymn was part prayer to the goddess Ninkasi and part recipe for beer. Because songs were a great way to help illiterate people remember important things. It was sort of the ancient equivalent of schoolhouse rock, but for making beer instead of remembering what a conjunction is for. So beer has been around a long time, but wine took a little longer. The problem with wine is that wild grapes just don't contain enough fruit sugar to really get the yeast pooping. So it wasn't until viticulture, the technical term for grape farming that comes from the Latin word for vine, it wasn't until viticulture became a thing that wine really caught on. And it caught on in Greece. Boy, did it ever catch on. One of the longest passages in Plato's Symposium deals with how much wine drinking is appropriate during a philosophical debate. And in that passage, it is revealed how much ritual and ceremony accompanied the nightly aperitif. It was big. But the Greeks weren't the only ones big into wine. The Chinese had actually been making wine for almost 7,000 years before the Greeks hit the scene. In fact, they had given up making wine from grapes before they even invented writing. Instead, they favored rice wine, like Huang Jiu. They used such wines as medicines and in religious rituals, and considered the moderate consumption of wine to be vital to a physically and spiritually healthy existence. In India, the civilizations of the Indus Valley also brewed a complicated little wine made of rice, wheat, sugar, grapes, and other fruits called sura. In fact, 
The Indians were pretty smart about their alcohol. One surgeon, Susruta, noted in 4 BCE that Syrah and other fermented drinks dulled the sense of pain during miscarriages and prescribed it as an anesthetic. The Hindu guide to life, the universe, and everything, the Ayurveda, describes how dangerous alcohol could be, how it changed your behavior, and how too much of it caused your liver, a vital internal organ, to eventually basically curl up and die. In fact, one of the Buddhist pledges was to give up alcohol because it screws up your brain. After the collapse of the Indus Valley Civilization, the Indo-Aryan peoples of northern India, the Vedics, developed a brew called Soma. Soma is made from the fermented juice of a certain plant. But what that plant was has been lost to history. There are a number of guesses as to how Soma was originally made, but no one is quite sure. It was believed that Soma grants immortality. The Hindu gods Indra and Agni loved Soma. They could not get enough. And an entire passage of a Hindu scripture known as the Rigveda is devoted to Indu, the god who literally presides over Soma. He is often praised as a supreme god, healing mortals and granting them joy, and also gifting mortals with great intellect. Even in pre-Columbian America, people were fermenting things. In Central America, you had fermented fruit juice called pulque. In South America, you had chicha, which was fermented corn and yucca root. The Maya made balche, a drink which included the bark of the balch tree, and many, many others. One of the great universal truths of life on Earth is that eventually every society figures out how to ferment something. But fermentation is only half the story, literally half the story, because eventually various cultures discovered the idea of distillation. Distillation is a chemical process by which you concentrate and purify something. Distillation is a complicated process that involves finding various ways to drive off the ingredients you don't want and catching the ingredients you do want. For example, if you take a fermented beverage and then use the right distillation process, you can drive off some of the not-alcohol and get concentrated alcohol. In North America, we generally call distilled liquors hard liquors. We also call them spirits. And there are a lot of them. You've probably heard of them. Things like gin, rum, tequila, vodka, whiskey, brandy, applejack, absinthe, and many, many, many others. But it is unlikely that distilled spirits are the sorts of things adventurers will be drinking. Why? Because distillation is complicated. And while we have some evidence that it was used as an alchemical process to produce distilled water very early on in both China and Europe, the first evidence of distilled alcoholic beverages doesn't come around until the 12th or 13th century. So, if the fighter wants some halfling applejack, or elvish brandy, or dwarvish whiskey, sorry, probably not. Of course, it's your world. But most, 
like D&D adventurers, are limited to the four great fermented beverages, beer, mead, wine, or cider. And that's good, because those beverages probably weren't very strong, at least not by modern standards. Hence, no hangovers. If you're basing D&D on the anachronistic mashup of European medieval history we call the standard fantasy setting, based on that, most adventurers are either drinking milk, water, wine, or ale. What is ale? Ale starts with malted barley. Malted just means that the seeds have started to sprout. Basically, it's infant barley. You take that stuff, and you let the yeast feed on it, at a warm temperature. Room temperature is good. Often you add hops, which are flowers that add a bitter flavor and help preserve and stabilize the ale. The reason for ale? Because it's pretty much the simplest fermented beverage an agrarian society can stumble on. Barley is durable and easy to grow, especially compared to wheat. It sprouts easily and ferments easily and doesn't really require any special attention. Compare it to other types of beers, lagers, which require fermentation at cold temperatures. Even so, ale was not easy for medieval farmers to brew. It took a long time and lots of barley, which could be better used for bread. And in most European countries in the medieval period, it was illegal to sell ales and beers without paying a tax to the local lord. Even so, it was very popular in Europe. But remember that every culture has fermented something, and often the fermented beverage is not just a drink, but is also attributed with medical or even spiritual properties. So as adventurers travel across the length and breadth of the D&D multiverse, they probably encounter many varieties of beers, wines, ciders, and meads with many unique flavors and many odd superstitions. For that matter, Every culture on Earth seems to have a deity devoted specifically to booze in some fashion. And with that in mind, it looks like the various pantheons of D&D might be missing something. This has been the GM Word of the Week. It was written by the Angry GM and recorded and produced by me, Fiddleback. You can find more at theangrygm.com and madadventurers.com